Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and today I'm joined by Jeff Schultz of The Athletic, and we're going to lay out sort of the, the full timeline of how we got here with the Julio Jones trade. Uh, for those who have been in a cave for a while, Julio Jones has been traded to the Tennessee Titans in exchange for a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick uh, in 2023. Uh, and the Falcons will send, of course, Julio to Tennessee along with a sixth-round pick in 2023. Uh, so, Jeff, uh, we, we know the compensation. We know the trade is, is pretty much done at this point. Um, I want to backtrack to where a lot of this really started, which was uh, several years ago. Um, we found out sort of uh, through reporting uh, since uh, really March uh, in the April timeframe, it seemed like there was, uh, you know, some consternation between Julio and the Falcons. And where did that start? Was it in the, the midst of the contract negotiations back in 2017, 2018? Um, is it a little bit later than that? Where do you think that things started to go sour between him and the organization? You know, that's a really good question, David. Thanks for having me. I, um, you know, from an economic standpoint, um, it started in 2018 because at that point, Hulu had three years left on a contract extension. Um, the Falcons, led by uh, Thomas Dimitrov at that time, um, understood that they probably would be facing an extension the following year, even though Hulu would have two years left. Mm-hmm. And a, I know for a fact they had budgeted in before that 2019 season to give him an extension, even with two years left. And um, I believe that was agreed on by all parties, um, front office, Jimmy Sexton, whoever. And then out of the blue, Julio wanted a contract adjustment before 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm pretty certain that the organization was adamant uh, against that. That was actually right when I left the AJC to go to the athletic. I actually wrote a story inside of a week of me leaving uh, <laughs> and driving to the athletic. And I think there were some people in the AJC were, were convinced that I was holding the story till <laughs> that really is not the case. I really just found out after I left. Um, and um, it was, it was clear that the Falcons did not want to make any adjustment. Number one, there were still three years left on Julio's deal. Number two, mm-hmm. um, they didn't really have any money in 2018. They hadn't budgeted for it. But they did it anyway. They did a restructure anyway. They got further deep into the hole anyway. I think Julio got another two and a half, three and a half million, whatever it was up front. Right. And then on top of that, they they redid his deal before 2019. I, I think ever since that 2018 season, from an economic standpoint, there was stress. The, mm-hmm. the way it was laid out to me was that just the closeness, um, and I'm not necessarily including Arthur Blank in this, but but maybe to some degree, yes. But certainly the closeness with um, Julio and the franchise from both ends just wasn't at the same level. How much of this was rigid, residual from not winning a Super Bowl, 
how much of this was residual of maybe Julio wanting some statistical achievements that he wasn't able to, um, you know, get, um, and, you know, the slide of the offense and, and obviously, um, you know, losing always hurts in this situation too, right? If, if they're not 18 and 30 in the last three years, maybe none of this happens to some degree. I mean, Dan Quinn doesn't get fired and maybe they just kind of go on and everything's fine. So, um, I think that was really kind of the start of it where Julio, you know, where he reached the point of screwed, I'm out of here. That I can't answer. I do know this. And I wrote this in the column. His agent, Jimmy Sexton is also Arthur Smith's agent. Okay. I honestly only found that out very recently because I never really paid attention to who Arthur Smith's agent was. (laughs) And, And Arthur Smith had multiple offers to coach elsewhere. And he was not, I mean, Jimmy Sexton would not be doing his job if he didn't tell Arthur Smith, look, that's great that you want that job. Just so you know, before you go though, Julio wants out. So he knew, I'm sure on some level, Terry Fontenot knew that he wasn't happy. Um, Even all that said, if he was happy, part of me thinks that they might've moved on, try to move on from him anyway, Mm -hmm. because I think they knew they had this gap situation and they were going to have to get out from under this at some point. They had, I realize this is a long answer, but it just kind of all ties together. Absolutely. Yeah, they 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 decided they had to restructure Matt um, Matt Ryan. It's something they didn't want to do. Um, they had already done that. They weren't going to do that with Julio. They absolutely were not going to do that with Julio. And 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 so basically, that's that's where we are. Um, they'll have to take a cap hit next year, but they get out of the salary this year and they get a second round pick. So yeah, they were never getting a first round pick though. I don't know how that started. <laughs> Somebody reported it. I thought it was BS this, the second I heard it. Mm-hmm. I, nobody told me that. Nobody else reported it. And I'll just say this. If somebody told somebody that they talked about a first-round pick, this is about the only scenario where I could see it happen. Team A called, called Terry Fontenot and said, okay, well, we can discuss a first-round pick, but you're picking up 12 of Julio, Julio's $15 million. Right. In that scenario, maybe the Falcons go, hmm, okay, no, that's not going to work. Because they wanted the money off the books this year. Um. Mm-hmm. And they needed they needed to get money off the books this year. So I think that's really, yeah. I don't think first round pick ever was realistic. And how much do you think that the firing of Dan Quinn may have been the the straw on the camel's back? Because we know Dan Quinn had this reputation for being very uh, beloved within the organization. The players loved him. Uh, there was some reporting this morning that indicated that that was one of the final straws for Julio, uh, even though the team honestly had been losing under Dan Quinn as head coach. Um, so if he was frustrated with winning, you would think those two things would, wouldn't be held uh, at, at the same time. But you think that uh, Dan Quinn getting the ax in the way that he did maybe have, uh, would have hurt the situation a little bit with, with Julio? I don't know. I mean, I, I, uh, Dan Quinn, you know, was very easy on the players. He's a good guy. I mean, I, I, love him to death from that standpoint. He was a little bit of an enabler. He did allow Julio to manage himself as they put it. Uh, he allowed himself to take himself out of plays when he wanted to. He allowed himself to, to practice. I mean, Julio knows his own body and that's fine. I got it. But I think he did mess with the team, the, the offense's rhythm to some degree. Um, they'll never say that publicly, but I, I just think logically, yeah, they know the plays. I get it, but you still practice for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Julio was upset at, I don't know if he was upset so much at Dan's firing as much as he was how all the players basically just tanked it at some point, you know, and then suddenly, 
you know, Julio gave a speech or whoever said something, suddenly they took off, you know, and, and it's like Dan's job was saved. And then the following year they tanked it again. And it's just, so I, I think in that sense, I think Julio was disgusted, you know, um, with a lot of stuff going on around him. Um, specifically, I mean, you can't look at something realistic and see a team go 18 and 30, you know, over three years and basically have a continuous backslide from Super Bowl to four and 12, you know, over whatever it was a five year, four or five year span and say, you know, that man needs to keep his job, even if it's not his fault. Um, right. if, honestly, if, if I'm going to blame one person for a lot of the stuff, this is going to sound harsh because I like the man. It's going to be Arthur Blank more than anybody else because Arthur Blank is the one who approves the contracts. Arthur is the one who right. who um, who says, "I want so and so to be Falcon for life." That when you do that, you do two things. Number one, you cut off your front office at the knees in negotiating. Mm-hmm. Number two, you're basically sending a message to the player of, "Oh, hey, the owner's got my back. Screw everybody else. I don't have to do what the GM says. I don't have to do what the coaching staff says." And I'm again, I'm not saying Julio's a malinger or anything like that. I'm just saying that kind of message is not good. And, um, and so I think there's been, there's been locker locker room problems on this team for a while. There's, that's not a secret. Um, there's been leadership issues. Um, there's been teams that just haven't played with an edge. Clearly they've underperformed. You've seen enough games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to be better this year uh, from an offensive standpoint, simply because they've got a new guy in charge, new people in charge who don't really care what the resume says. Right. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to watch. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, this whole off season has been interesting at minimum. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, a couple of other things we heard, uh, Julio never met with Fontenot and, and Arthur Smith. Um, right. so, which would seem to indicate that, uh, he had his mind made up. It, it's sounding more and more like Julio wanted out that there wasn't really in his mind, an option of staying with the Falcons, uh, for 2021, um, when he requested the trade, apparently sometime in March. Um, it, do you feel like now that we know that, and, and you know, I'm not sure if we know how accurate that is, but that seems to be reported several places. Um, I know we've been talking about the fact that Fontenot at no point appeared to approach Grady Jarrett. I believe that actually was your reporting, uh, right. that they had not approached him about doing an extension or, or anything of that sort. And everyone was sort of sitting around saying, what is – Fontenot doing. He needs this. He needs this cap space. He needs space to sign the rookies. Um, he's he's signing guys like Mike Davis. He's signing guys like Cordero Patterson. Um, where's his space going to come from? And he's not talked to Jarrett. Do you feel like Fontenot sort of knew back when Julio asked him in March that that's where my space is going to come from, and that is why he didn't approach Grady Jarrett. He knew that come June that he felt confident he was going to be able to get a trade done. Do you feel that this? sort of is the missing piece in this offseason that explains why Fontenot wasn't making moves that many of us thought he was going to make. Yeah. So a couple things, first of all, I want to be clear about like Julio and I mean, I think there's a chance that Julio and Arthur Smith spoke. I just, but I, but he was always Julio was never in the building. I'm sure there was some form of communication. I want that clear. Um, yeah. And, and as terms of what Terry was stepping into, Terry Fontenot was stepping into when he took the job, much like when Arthur Smith took the job, I think they were both clearly aware that Julio was not happy and wanted out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it is true that he clearly articulated that again in March. Um, they were both hired what in January, whenever it was, right. There was time down, there was COVID, everything else. I don't know why there was a stall, but I think there was a, 
there was sort of an, an official reckoning, get me out of here in March. Mm-hmm. But I think there was an understanding when both stepped into the job um, that Julio didn't want to be around. And again, that said, um, I'm not, this is me personally speaking, I'm not sure they were going to keep him around anyway. Right. Restructuring Matt on some level because he was the quarterback and because you had to have cap space made sense because he can still perform at that level and he's the quarterback. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Julio was a, a wide receiver, 32 years old, coming off a nine game season. Um, you've got another really good wide receiver. Um, you got a decent wide receiver in Russell Grage. At that time, you didn't have Kyle Pitts. But certainly, if you thought you were, you know, there's a chance you might draft Kyle Pitts, if you didn't draft a quarterback, then, you know, and, and Arthur Smith, I think Arthur Smith's skills and ego play into this a lot too. <laughs> Arthur Smith, no, the truth is because he did wonders with the Tennessee offense without half the quote unquote skill talent that the Falcons did. Right. And I think he looks at, I mean, I thought this before and then I really thought it, I really believed after watching film with him for a half hour or whatever it was or an hour. I mean, I, he, this guy believes in what he can do, which is fine. I mean, most great coordinators are like that. And I, he doesn't need, and again, I'm not taking anything away from Julio Jones here, but in his mind, he doesn't need Julio Jones to have a successful offense. Okay. He can, he can put players in different positions out of different sets and do things the defense did not see coming as we saw in this time in 2016. Okay. It wasn't like Kyle, Kyle Shanahan was doing something crazy with a, with X's and O's that just came down from Neptune. What Kyle Shanahan did was do things that the defense didn't know was coming. You thought it was going left. It was going right. You thought he was running. He was passing. You thought he was throwing to the tight end. He's thrown to 50 times before. No, he threw to the tight end who they've been thrown to three times before. That is what a great offensive coordinator does. And that's what um, I Arthur Smith has shown he can do. And, and on some level, they believe they can function with Matt Ryan. They don't have to function with, um, Julio Jones. So I, I yes, to, to your answer is, uh, I believe they thought all along Julio Jones was going to be traded. The question was going to be the market, obviously, what mm-hmm. we're going to get for him. But all along, I believe that's where their cap space was going to come from. They absolutely were not going to restructure Julio Jones because mm-hmm. in some sense, restructure a play you want, may want to get rid of, even in the worst case scenario next year, because then you got a bigger issue next year. You don't really want to restructure Grady. Excuse me, you don't want to restructure Grady Jarrett from the standpoint that you want to extend Grady Jarrett. And if you're restructuring, you're giving him all this money up front. Okay. Now you're creating an issue next year when you give him a new deal and you give him all this money up front again, it doesn't just logically, it's nothing you want to do. Um, And you can't just flat out give him an extension now because frankly, I I think his agent Todd France would just make it so impossible. Right. Not knowing what the cap situation is going to be the next couple of years yet. I think everybody kind of wants to go through a season um, to see how much revenue is there um, before Todd France holds him up against the wall for, for what he's going <laughs> to ask for. Um, and so I think realistically, the easiest way was just trade Julio. And I know people think, oh, you could have done this, you could have done that. You could have cut five players. No, they had done nothing else. You guys have followed this, right? They had already restructured four players. They had cut Dante Fowler. They had cut six. I'd cut Dante Fowler's salary. They had cut yeah. six other players. If they didn't restructure math, they were going to cut Deion Jones. Yeah. They were going to cut Deion Jones. And um, we can debate whether Deion Jones is worth the money or not, but that's still nothing that they, a new regime wanted to do coming in. They yeah. were in a bad situation. It's yeah. all been written about enough times. They, they, were, they were in desperate straits financially. 
This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Yeah, and at the time, you know, keep people keep bringing up Matt Ryan, but uh, he was the one move that they could make at that moment to get under the cap before the league year started. And right. I feel like this, uh, the casual fan may not understand this, but there's no... There's no grace period. You have to be under the cap when the NFL league year starts. They don't yes. let you carry over. Like in, uh, there have been teams. If I think the last one was the Dallas Cowboys got penalized. Uh, I think they lost a first round draft pick because they went over the cap in a in a non uh, uh, in one of the the, the middle years where uh, the league wasn't under a CBA. They take it seriously. So Matt was the easiest and the quickest way to get under the cap. Uh, at at that at that juncture, um, interestingly, you mentioned the the negotiations with Grady. It almost seems like the worst possible time to try to negotiate an extension is when his agent knows that you're desperate for cap space. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> like that's everyone was saying. Oh, well, that should be an easy extension. I'm like, no. If I'm the agent, I'm dragging my feet. I'm making font no sweat uh, because I know I've got him right where I want him. And now uh, the Julio trade, if anything opens up the possibility for a, a, a better negotiating ground with Grady Jarrett next year if they want to extend him and uh, and help out the 2022 cap, which is not looking great for the Falcons either. No, because you've got and, – and we can circle back to Matt Ryan on this. So right now you you already had a, a bad cap situation in 2022. Mm-hmm. You're going to take whatever, whatever it is, $15 million of a dead money of Julio now in 2022 – Matt Ryan's, because of the recent restructure, his cap number in 2022 jumps from about 25 million this year to about 48 million next year. He's not going to play for 48 million next year. It is not going to happen. So there's only two options. One is they restructure him yet again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or two, you and I are here one year from today talking about was getting a second round draft pick from Matt Ryan enough in the trade. And, and I'm not really exaggerating because, you know, if you look at, at his post June trade number next year, it's, it's not numbers are not equal to Julio, but it's a, it's a very similar situation, right? Yep. Well, we could pay the guy 48 million. We, we can't do that. We can restructure him, but we need to get out of this future hole or we can trade him. And I think a lot of these decisions, a lot of these decisions, are going to based on what happens in 2021. Um, this is why I was such a strong proponent of drafting a quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure they made the right decision with Kyle Pitts. Um, um, regardless of how good Kyle Pitts is, I understand that their evaluation of Justin Fields was not nearly as high as it was Trevor Lawrence or, or Zach Wilson or, or Trey Lance, who I, I know for a fact they really like Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Um, it was clear they did not want to take a guy who they presumed to be by f- the, not just the fourth best quarterback, but a guy who didn't merit the fourth pick in the draft. And they really like Kyle Pitts too. There's no question they like everybody likes Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I've never seen a guy be declared like an all pro before he's even played a season. <laughs> I mean, it's like people are like already putting this kid. I feel sorry for him. People are putting this kid in Canton, Ohio already. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Great. But I mean, come on. I mean, let the kid play, right? No pressure. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> so, but I, that, again, I, I, but again, and then this may come back to Arthur Smith again. It's going to come back to what's their record this year? Mm-hmm. How competitive are they? And does Arthur Smith believe, okay, we can trade Matt Ryan. Let's say they go eight and eight. Okay. I think we can trade Matt Ryan and sign this Ryan Tannehill level quarterback. Okay. As, as we perceived Ryan Tannehill a couple of years ago and, and I can get at least eight and eight, maybe better if they don't, if there's nobody they want to draft next year or they can do both. So I really think this, again, this is, it, it cleans up the issue next this year. It doesn't clean up the issue next uh, next year. It cleans up the issue in twenty twenty one, but not twenty twenty two. I'll get the words out right. And um, but they had to do it. They had to. They're pushing reset. They had to start doing some of this stuff now. And I know people are upset. I know people who have the Julio Jones jersey are upset, or <laughs> he's their guy and blah blah blah. But this is as I said. These are these are businesses wrapped around sports. It's not the other way yeah. around. And. and and it's just the reality. And I, as I wrote, I mean, I, I, I covered the 49ers and never thought they traded Joe Montana. They did. It was after I moved to Atlanta, but they did. I was, I was here when the Hawks traded Dominique Wilkins. I was on the plane when the Braves traded Dale Murphy with Dale Murphy flying to Philadelphia. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, oh my God, they traded Dale Murphy. And I grew up in Atlanta, but I knew what he meant here. And so um, it's, it's just happened, you know? Just, yeah. It's interesting. You met, when you mentioned some of those trades, because even with Montana, they had someone waiting in the wings. Yes. They had Steve Young waiting in the wings. Yes. And, and I think what sort of blows my mind in the talk about Julio, and, and he's going to go down as you know one of the greatest players on the Falcons and maybe at, at the wide receiver position ever. Um, but they drafted Calvin Ridley, and many yes. people consider him a wide receiver one. And I see that sort of as a parallel with that Montana and Young situation where yeah, you don't necessarily want to let go of this guy. You would, in an ideal scenario, he retires with the franchise, but you have someone waiting to take over that spot when when he's gone, and it solves multiple problems with the cap and with uh, being able to elevate, you know, Calvin Ridley immediately to that wide receiver one position. Um, and, and then even with you know Dale Murphy, I remember that uh, that trade. I was a massive Braves fan. That was devastating. Uh, yeah. to, to me at the time. And he's a former, uh, you know, he won the MVP award uh, two times with the Braves. Right. Yeah. Um, and this is a guy you would think, oh, he's going to be a brave for life to steal the phrase from Arthur Blank. And mm-hmm. these businesses are, they're brutal. They, they, they don't, they, that loyalty only goes so far in, in as much as that, you know, the team is still winning and that they have the money to pay these guys. Um so one last thing I want to run by you because we've heard this a lot and I, I think you've dispelled it multiple times and it's a narrative that keeps going around with the Falcons. Um, and uh, you're one of the few people that I think has, has reported on this uh, differently than many people. 
there's been this idea that when the Falcons restructured Matt, that they are now in win now mode. They want to win <laughs> yeah. now. Um, and that, that restructure is a signal that they plan to try to compete immediately for a Super Bowl. Um, and then when they drafted Kyle Pitts, that went along with that narrative. They, they are in win now mode. Uh, and of course, what came along with that is why would you be in win now mode and then trade away Julio Jones when you could have the best offense in the league? Um, what do you say to this idea that the Falcons, Fontenot Smith, are in win now mode when I think that these moves may be incongruent with that uh, that talking point for this team. The Falcons want to win now. Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith want to win now. Okay, but I, I, they're also in survive now mode. <laughs> so they they want to win Matt now, but I would say they're in survive now mode. Okay, these guys are wired to win, but they're not going to go all out. This isn't like what happened with the Falcons the last two or three years. You're, when you're restructuring guys, you're signing Dante Fowler, you're, you're, you're bringing back Todd Guller, Gurley, you're doing all this staff, which I wrote and people were upset. I didn't think it was going to work. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Nobody has to send me an apology. It's okay. I know you still love me in your heart. It's, it's cool. Um, this narrative that they were in win now mode as you are defining win now was wrong to begin with. Yeah. That's it. They were wrong. They never wanted to restructure Matt. You have to start with that. They were not, they did not want to do it. And I look, I am of the belief that, and we're never going to know the answer to this for the truth, but I'm, I'm of the belief that when Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith came to the Falcons, they knew it was a bad cap situation. I'm not sure they knew how bad it really was, okay, until you really started looking at the situation, until you really started seeing, wow, we, there's not too many options here we can do. Yeah, I absolutely 100% guarantee you that Terry Fontenot did not come to Atlanta expecting or wanting to restructure Matt Ryan, yeah. okay? Doesn't mean he doesn't want to win now. Doesn't mean he doesn't think he's a capable quarterback but he wants to get out of this cap hell that this franchise is in. Um, and he did it because, and, and he and Arthur did it in concert because they had to survive. Okay. And, and the rest happens, whatever the rest happens. Um, they, but they were not going all out to win a Super Bowl this year. I'm sorry. This, this spoils the, the Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, <laughs> Russell Gage, you know, offense where Matt was going to throw for 600 yards and seven touchdowns every game. It was, it was, <laughs> it was chisel and stone, even, even more so than Kyle Pitts going to the, to the, to the hall of fame before he's played. A <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. This, but this bunk that they were hearing, not just, and I'm not blaming fans, fans are fans. I don't mean that as a criticism, but you, you see things with your heart. Okay. Yeah. This bunk that has been spun by so many national media members. Mm -hmm. I can't believe they would do this when they were in win. They were never friggin' in win now mode. Go all out to win a Super Bowl. It was not. Do they want to win? Yes. But they are not going to go all out and bury the future even more than it's already buried to do it. And I, I don't know if that answers your question. No, I, <laughs> I, I think that's the right perspective because it, yeah. um, um, and, and, it is. It has been some of the national media, um, confusingly yes. to me, that has I'm been. I'm not going to name names because they're very nice people, and a lot of them really yeah. know football. They really yes. are. 
some, and um, some people are friends of mine and I'm just like, what are you people writing? What are you saying? And I, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I'm just going to let it go <laughs> upset before this podcast. I, I mean, excuse me. I was, I calmed down. You got me mad all over. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Um, right. I do think though that the, it was made to be more simple than the situation really is. And, yes. and I think that's, and that's almost always the case with these things. You know, the whole thing with trading Julio, I think was made to be far more simple than it really was. There were a lot of things at play, uh, including the fact that he wanted out. And I, I yeah. think that probably the, the best thing to do when you see a situation and it looks black and white is to take a step back and say, there's probably some, something else going on here, some additional details we don't know. Uh, and I, I get it for fans. It's maddening because you want to know why you want to know. Sure. Why is my favorite player being uh, shopped around on, on the, the trade block? Um, but again, it's these situations are rarely ever just black and white win now versus, you know, punt for the future. Um, you know, <laughs> if I'm a GM, yeah, and, I want both, but <laughs> that's just me. Yeah. 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 And, look, and look, if we're living in a world like, baseball or whatever or something where where you can manipulate economic situations and there's not a cap situation then you know maybe if Julio Jones wanted to stay you do it right um um and money's not an issue and as long as your owner is willing to spend money then you spend money um but just not it's just not the reality of life in the NFL it's not and and they were not gonna I mean I hate to break any person anybody's bubble here they were not gonna win a Super Bowl this yeah. next season with Julio Jones. It's just, I mean, you, you know what that defense looks like. You know <laughs> how much they have to prove with a running game. And you have an offense, even if you think Matt Ryan can still play at a high level, I'm not saying he's, he can't, but even if you think he can, there's a transition with mm-hmm. any new offensive scheme and any new coaching staff. You don't know. And while I think this team has been poorly coached in the last couple of years, um, and while I think, some guys are going to perform better and overall the product is going to be better. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of players. We don't know how they're going to respond. We don't know how they're going to play in the scheme. We don't know how on both sides of the ball, we don't know how they're going to respond to these coaches. Yeah. Um, maybe they peaked already. Maybe the Falcons gave some money to some guys. I'm not going to mention names that they should not have. And these guys are all going to be judged on a whole new level with new sets of eyes with no loyalties to the past whatsoever. And, and there's a lot up in the air right now. And I got news for you. And this is not a criticism of Grady Jarrett because I think he's phenomenal and needs to be a part of this team's future. And I don't think anyone in the franchise thinks otherwise, but if things really go horribly this year, you know, are you thinking, I'm just throwing this out there. Are you thinking, can we commit X number of dollars to one player, a defensive tackle when we have so many more holes to fill than we thought? Right. Yeah. I mean, seriously. And so it's another reason why maybe the Falcons didn't want to go down that road right now, outside of the fact it just wasn't really feasible. Mm -hmm. I just think there's a lot of decisions that are going to spin off what happens this season. Who's kept, who goes, who gets paid, who doesn't get paid, who we have to move on from. I just think it's it's like starting with a a clean chalkboard all over again. (laughs) And I think this was never a situation where it was going to get fixed or completely rebuilt in one season, regardless. This was never going to be no. 20, 2021 and we're done. 
this is a probably a multi-year project to your point where they're going to keep reevaluating some of these guys and figuring out their their long-term fit on the team and you know even with guys like Deion Jones and and Grady Jarrett you know they're if they're looking 2 3 years out those guys are going to be approaching 30 right uh, and and that's the point where you start wondering if that's the guy you're going to commit to for the long run and this is what we signed up for i mean fans wanted uh, Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn gone and they got their wish um, and i think it was the right decision i think everyone believes it was the right decision but along with that, that means the new regime comes in and they reevaluate everything, including your star future Hall of Fame wide receiver, which is where right. we're at. Right. So, yeah. um, Jeff, thank you again. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter and I'm going to reemphasize it here on the podcast. Uh, from all the reporting I've been watching, uh, yours has been the most consistent on these themes with the Falcons. I think it's held up the most consistently over the past three or four months. Um, so uh, kudos to that because it's, it's been a roller coaster. We've seen some wild reports <laughs> over the last three months, um, it, but I think your 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 experience with this team has uh, has shown over the past three months, and is a credit to the work you've been doing. Um, so, That's on that, fun. thank you. Yeah, on that note, tell our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. Uh, well, since my week won't be interrupted by uh, another Blue Jones trade, <laughs> I could spend an hour on that one. Uh, yeah, you can find everything I write, which, uh, I will be at Falcons mini camp, uh, I think, uh, tomorrow in the next couple of days. Um, but yeah, just the athletic.com. Um, you can find my name or click any link. And if you're not a subscriber, then, uh, it's really cheap cost of a, what, a latte or two a month. And it's over 500 writers across the U S Canada <clears throat> and England. We'll probably have more soccer writers than anybody else. If you like soccer, you know, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's been fun working there and, um, um, hopefully it will continue for a while. You know, it's, uh, it's been going really well. Good deal. Um, and yeah, I, I, I do find it funny that you and Tori both had things going on. Is this, I think the news literally broke as she was on the airplane. She was, she was, she was, I can tell you, I was talking to her. She was in the airport waiting for the flight upset. I was driving back from, um, Lake Oconee. Actually I had stopped in Madison with family our national NFL writer, Lindsay Jones, was was single mom with kids for a day, and she <laughs> was climbing wall with her kids. And the second, this was said a week ago, there's this peek behind the curtain. A week ago, they said, okay, if and when Julio Jones is traded, we want the three of you to get together for a round table. So I'm in my car in Madison, Georgia. Oh, my word. Tori, Tori's at the, you know, at the departure gate. And Lindsay, Lindsay's at a, at a climbing wall in Colorado. <laughs> sure, get together for a real climb. <laughs> get together for a round table. Oh man, the, the things the things you do for this team. Um, yeah, I'm not sure it's worth. Actually, it. more like the things you do for a paycheck. But yeah, right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, that's so true. Uh, as for you guys, you can find me on Twitter at Falcoholic DW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod, and of course our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Jeff Schultz of the Athletic, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.